You are listening to the Power and Pros podcast, a platform that serves as an active advocate for Black women to embody their authentic voice. Power and Pros is a space of healing and an invitation to profess the power you possess. Come along on the journey and let's get into the show. What's up, cool kids? You are tuned in to another episode of the Power and Pros podcast. If you've been here for a minute, then you already know that there are multiple ways to communicate. But the way that you choose to communicate is based on what you believe. Thoughts that you believe that others believe about you, thoughts that you believe about the general perception of the world around you, and thoughts that we believe about our faith, about our God, right? And the way that we communicate It's all around how we frame the things that we believe, how those things come alive for us in our mind first before they can even be thought out in the world. And so if you're a person who wants to communicate that you have a lot of money, you may put a lot of value into having high fashion labels. You like to talk about how much things cost, the value of fabric and texture, and That is something that you want to communicate, right? And it shows up in how you dress. It shows up in even the the brands that you follow and interact with on social media, all these things. And you're communicating not only that you have money, but that you value high labeled things. Where another person who may care about the environment, they're going to follow different people on social media, right? They may volunteer at different places and they're going to shop at different places. So they're not going to go to the Gucci store and buy down. You know what I'm saying? They're going to go to a resale shop and get things probably could still be Gucci, but it's going to be at a different price. They're making sure that things go into the landfill at a slower rate. And it's because of what they believe in. And so most of the time when we think about our beliefs and how they show up, we either are pushing way, way in um, on ourselves and letting people know those things, or we believe things and we communicate it to ourselves and we internalize it and we want to keep it on the inside. And that's usually the two extremes that we live with them. There's a third. Some people don't see the need to communicate at all. They believe that there's no value and so they don't even try. There are thoughts and beliefs, patterns, habits that they don't talk about to themselves, yet alone to their friends and family, to God. And those people are in a dangerous position because what you don't acknowledge, you cannot overcome. I'm here today to beg you to not be that person. We all have desires, we all have dreams, ambitions, wants, and goals, longings for love, understanding, and the feeling of belonging. We all want to be in our space, our space in our sphere. And when you believe what God says about you, it causes you to communicate in a different way than when you feel that there's no value in what you communicate. When you feel that there's no value and you close off your voice, when you close off the different avenues that you can communicate, it stops you from getting the very thing that you desire. If you want to be heard, you have to make a statement. And so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. How can we make a statement to get the things that we want versus when we're closed off and we're actually inviting in the very things that we say are harmful to us. So as always, we're going to get into the power punch of the week and then we'll get into it.
survival guide to being the daughter, sister, niece, cousin in New York. Number one, don't call home. Two, if home calls you, remember you don't have to answer. Three, if you choose to answer, don't mention New York. Four, when home mentions New York, change the subject. Five, when home brings the subject back to New York, say you miss home, even if you don't. Six, don't forget to say, I love you too. Seven, hang up the phone and go back to being you. All right. So this piece, the survival guide to being the daughter, sister, niece, cousin in New York is all about sadness. I mean, it's about me. Um, I had a phone call actually with some of my family members on the same day and they were like passing around the phone, catching me up on what's going on, the latest family drama, the latest family heartache and some of the family wins. Right. And it was a difficult call for me to be on. The good things that happened that I missed, it was because I was in New York. And the bad things that happened, I felt like, was because I was in New York too, right? And there was this feeling that I get of guilt sometimes that I'm not at home. And it causes me to want to be different. It causes me to want to go back to being destiny. None of my family <laughs> calls me Des at all. It's actually so funny that I call myself Des. I used to not like that shortening. Um, but most of my family either calls me Destiny or I'm Renee, which is my middle name. And so I'm trying to get back to being Renee or I feel a draw to be back to Renee. And I honestly don't know if that's who I am anymore. And so when I talk to my family at home, I feel this tug and pull of what do I profess if I'm standing in my power, right? If I'm talking to y'all every week about that, what does power look like? How do I profess that on these calls? When I fly back home, what does that look like? And sometimes it's not always clear how I'm supposed to be and how I show up. And so you'll see in the survival guide when I say um, in five, when home brings the subject back to New York, say you miss home, even if you don't. I never want to live in St. Louis ever again. Like that is just a posture that I feel in this present moment. And while living in New York can be hard and it presents different challenges than what I'm used to when I lived in the Midwest, I live in New York and this is my post-grad life, my post-grad experience. This has made me into the woman that I am today. And so me saying that I want to divert the convo off of New York is diverting the convo off of me, off of the woman that I've become, off of the things that I've overcome, off the challenges that I've had to face, it, whether it's good or bad. I'm not allowing myself to profess the power that I want to have in these conversations. Um, the last step in the survival guide is seven, hang up the phone and go back to being you. That's saying that I wasn't providing space for myself to show up in the conversation. And so um, actually, I want to go back. Step number one, don't call home. It's telling me, telling me that Des and Destiny Renee are all the same person, but I'm saying that they can't exist at the same time. They can't exist with home. And that's not true. But if that's what I believe, that's what I'll profess. That's what I'll walk in. That's the posture that I'll exude. That's what I'll communicate. And so this guide really came right after those phone calls. It was me venting on paper, getting things out that I felt like, um, the feelings that I had. And I think that these seven steps made me feel that I could avoid 
the feeling that I was going through at the time. And in reading it back, it truly is. It's just so interesting because that's not how I fight that battle. That's not how I want to show up. And that's not what I want to resort to when it comes to how I communicate the me that I am now and how I want to communicate with my family when they're going through things. Right. And so I had to take a step back and think about that. What does communication look like? What am I avoiding communicating? What are the things that I want to communicate, but I feel like my family can't handle? And that's why I don't call them. Right. And so um, you might have your own survival guide for X and it includes these steps that you follow all the time, but that might not serve you or the other people around you. I want you to think about that. If I said, give me a survival guide for a day or a moment or a splice in your life, what would the survival guide be to? How would you come up with the steps? I really want you to think about that because there are many things that we have that we go back to, we resort to, and they don't always work for us. If you need help thinking about this, there are two episodes that you can go back and listen to. One is power and breaking the rules. When I talked about all these rules that I used to keep and have that didn't serve me, they were false principles that I believed in and they actually were harmful and I needed to break those habits. So that's one that you can go back and listen to. The other is the first episode of 2020, which was power in the tension. And just thinking about your old self and your new self and them coming to meet each other and how it's going to take work to kind of figure out how they work in tandem in the new stage that you may find yourself in. And so there are many things that we do for survival. There are many ways that we communicate, but we want to make sure that we communicate in as best way as possible, putting our best foot forward. And so I hope that those two episodes help you. I hope that you liked this piece. It's a little bit different. I usually don't do list poems, but this one just allowed me to really get out um, the feelings that I had at the time. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. All right, I'm going to tell y'all something. I have a strained relationship with my family. There's pain. There's cross lines, child. There's hurt unimaginable. If you haven't experienced it, there's hits below the belt and there's distance, both physical, emotional, relational distance. And when I was younger, I could not wait to move out of St. Louis. Listen, I have pride for my city, but I felt the most hurt at home. If I can be honest, I felt trapped. I needed to escape and I was determined to get out by any means necessary. I always knew that I was going to college. And unlike most high school seniors, I didn't care where I went to school. I had no care. I just wanted to go to a school that would give me the most money. And that was the furthest away. And so that's what I did. I had dreams of going to college and it was my ticket out of the city. Like I did all that I could because I saw college as not only me achieving my dreams of being ex-professional, but I wouldn't have to live here anymore. I wouldn't have to feel this pain anymore. I could run from it. And so I took my ACT test like three times to get a good score. I stayed up at night and I used to surf on websites seeing what requirements were to get into different schools, what the different programs were, if I would like them. And then what do they have for students that were low income where I could maybe give me a scholarship or something. So again, I get the most money I could get to get as far away from home as I needed to get. 
I applied to so many schools, okay? Like too many schools. And I used to be overwhelmed like with this unexplainable feeling every time I got an acceptance letter in the mail. Every single time. My dream was becoming a reality. I'm like, okay, acceptance 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 all I have to do is pick the school and I'm gone I'm out of here like it's gonna be a reality right so I picked my little school child and I went and during college I didn't talk to my family much and not as much as other freshmen on campus 100% um I was 14 hours away from home I believe I went to school in South Carolina. I'm from St. Louis, so it's very, very far. And at school, I communicated to others that I had it together. People would think that I was good. I used to be going to classes. I did the extracurricular stuff. I had a crew. And so everything seemed like I was good, but I was not. I I wasn't, y'all. I felt alone. I felt abandoned. And during my college years, I felt a lot of unnecessary pain pain that I blame myself for, pain that I blamed my family for, that I just blame college in general. Like, that's just the way it is. This is college. Things are going to be hard. And it wasn't until post-grad when I started to realize and remember that I have an enemy and that it wasn't my family. The devil's our enemy, period. And he understands the assignment, God's assignment as a father in your life and the assignment for you to love as a child of God. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. Y'all have heard it and y'all know what he's about. He's looking to steal your joy, looking to kill your confidence, looking to destroy your belief in yourself, God, those around you, and looking to steal how you communicate. If he takes your voice, he can take your future. If he takes your voice, he takes your connection. If he steals how you communicate and you don't communicate at all, you don't see your dreams actualized. Their dreams deferred. And we don't give the enemy enough credit. I don't give him enough credit. If I'm being real, real, there's a lot of stuff that destiny didn't set in motion, but I have put on my back and been like, wow, I did this. There's things that other people have done that they didn't orchestrate, that they wasn't their original idea, that it wasn't the intent that God had for them. But I've been like, nope, you did that. You owe me this because you came up with this plan. You divided um, my world in this way. You shattered my idea of what goodness was in this way. And it's your fault. And I've held people in a court of my mind and deemed them guilty for something that they did not do that they didn't orchestrate we assume responsibility for what he does we assign responsibility for what he's done to other people and that's what he wants if you don't even pray to God about a situation because that's just how it is the enemy wins and he prepares to strike again that's one thing about him he's going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming he'll continue to come for your words and your confidence What you heard God say, he'll start to make you question. And when you assume responsibility thinking I should have done this or they should have done that, it gives him the license to sneak in again. And I'm not saying this to just be like, you know, super religious or to make you have like daunting thoughts about things. But it's a serious thought. Like it's a serious thing that I want to communicate to y'all because I forget it all the time and when we forget it 
we not only blame ourselves and the people around us for stuff, we blame God for stuff. And he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, I've been in your corner this whole time. I've held you down this whole time. I've been 10 toes this whole time. So instead, when we think about our enemy and how he understands the assignment that he has to still kill and destroy, it should be one that calls us back to God. We need to give the enemy credit, but God gets extra credit. God gets the credit for crafting you together in your mother's womb. He gets the credit for all the things that seem to torment you in this world because he's overcome them. And God gets the credit for knowing your past completely, knowing all of your past and being the only one that will be responsible for your future. I can pinpoint moments my family has made me upset. Moments they've let me down, times that I've wondered why my family, not like somebody else's family, why I won't do X thing. And when I stopped running from home, home began to take a new shape for me. My family began to mean something different. And I could communicate in a new way. I communicated to them in a new way. And I communicated internally in a new way. And it was because of what I believed. I had to change my beliefs. When I believed that our differences were real, but didn't have to divide us, I didn't talk as defensively. I came to conversations with more of an open mind, knowing that somebody's not going to have the same opinion as me, but also knowing that we don't have to argue because of it. When I remember that we love differently, okay, and we express love very differently, I also believe that my family is constantly expressing love. I just have to remember that it looks different from how I express love. And so when I believe that, that, okay, this is love, it's just in a different way, I can understand that I'm not as alone as I think, that we're not as different from other families as I think, but that love is present here. It's alive here. It breathes here. When I believe that the enemy is to blame for some of our fights and our fires, I go to war to put them out because I believe something and I don't go to war with my parents. I don't go to war with my extended family. I don't go to war with myself. I can go to war with the actual enemy, the actual person that's trying to attack me. I go to war with him and I can do it in prayer. I don't have to put out and exude a whole bunch of energy that's empty. It don't get me results. And I don't have to pull other people down because I feel bad. I can go directly to the source of happiness, of joy, of restoration, of peace. And I can give him the real on what's going on and invite him into the situation. And I have to be reminded of that recently. Um, I have read Fervent Prayers by Priscilla Shire. I will link it in the show notes. It is a great book about prayer. And I read it before. I actually read it in 2020 during the pandemic. And I was at home at the time. Um, And so I thought it was like on time for me to read it. I was going to be with my family and X, Y, Z. And it was. And so me, typically, if I read something, um, less of self-help books or, or faith books, but if it's just a regular old novel, when I read it that one time, never reading it again. Like, I don't need a library in my house, okay? Like, I don't do that. Um, There are very few movies that I watch repeatedly because once I've seen it and know it's going to happen, I don't know. It's like it loses its juice, its sauce. Like, I don't need to do that again. And recently, I felt called to reread Fervent Prayers by 
Priscilla Shire. And it threw me off because I never feel called to read nothing over. I just don't do that. And so I picked it up this past weekend and I'm glad I did because I needed to brush up on my skills of how to communicate with God and how to communicate against the enemy's plans. And unlike my poem suggested, the survival guide is prayer. It's giving God the glory, giving him the credit, communicating to him and allowing him to communicate through you. We've all dealt with stuff, some heavy things, and we can get focused on those things, the odds stacked against us, the things we want to do, the things that we haven't had the chance to do, the things we don't have. But what credit do we give to the almighty God? Are we giving him the extra credit for the blessings that we do have, the hard times that he's delivered us from? Is it evident in how we communicate? When you believe something, it's evident. It comes through in everything that you do, how you get up in the morning, what's your routine, people that you surround yourself with, people that you don't, people that you follow on social media and people that you don't, shows that you watch on Netflix, documentaries, movies, books that you pick up events that you go to and when you're still learning how to exist within your family units you're going to communicate in a certain way based on what you believe even when it's on the outside it don't look like what you feel on the inside faith is the evidence of things hoped for the belief in things unseen we communicate where our faith is We communicate where our faith is. We do it all the time. Maybe you have faith in yourself. And so you're overworking to get it all done on your own. We're overworking on whatever you're working on. You're doing it all because you have all of your faith in yourself. And that's what's happening. Maybe your faith has been stolen and you're finding yourself hard to communicate at all at any given moment over any given thing you don't feel like you're communicating at all you've been very closed off to yourself to others you used to journal and now you don't used to call your homegirl and talk about things and now you haven't you used to have your favorite cousin that you used to talk to that you used to kick it with and you haven't kicked it with them because they're going to ask you what's going on and you don't want to communicate my prayer for you is that you'll give God the extra credit in your life. When good things happen, you'll communicate your praise because your faith is that God will do good things for you again, because that's who he is. When it seems that he's missed the mark, you'll give him another opportunity to show you just how good he is. So you'll communicate then you'll tell God, yo, I needed you to show up in this way and you didn't. Yo, I've been waiting a long time on this blessing. Where you at? Yo, this hurt my feelings. How can we work through this pain that I'm feeling right now? Our job is to be in constant communication with God, with the understanding that the enemy wishes to take us out, but a belief that God is too big to let him. When you believe that, you communicate in a totally different way. If you go back, honestly, I don't even know if the depths of my um, disbelief in myself and in God with this show is even recorded. I was going to say, if you go back to like the first couple of episodes, how I talk recently on recordings versus how I talk back then is a little bit different. But honestly, the times when I felt the most inadequate, the most in disbelief, the most not walking by faith in myself with power and prose are moments when I didn't communicate at all 
Times when I was sitting in my room and I was supposed to be working on the show, but I didn't. Times when people would ask me, oh, what's going on? And I'm like, girl, you know, things just been busy, but I'll get to it. Like I'm shutting down a conversation. I don't even want to go in depth about what's going on. The times when I feel insecure about anything, I shut down. I don't communicate. And when I don't communicate, it is ever, it's so evident. It's so evident, y'all. I won't write. As much, I don't feel motivated to record. I don't call people like I used to. I don't post on social like I usually do. You know what I mean? It's just like, I don't have it to give. That's how I feel. But I don't have it because my faith has been shifted to believe in something that's not substantial. Every time that we do that, we're going to see our voice stripped each and every time. There's power in Pros. That's evergreen. That's a forever statement. It's not just when you're on the mountaintops and it's not just when you're in the valley low. It is at all times. Using our voice is powerful 24 7, all the days of the week, all hours of the night. Every time that you open your mouth and you profess something, every time that you put your faith and, and match your hope with your belief. There's power in that. Things begin to shift and move and change. Things that you thought were were solid begin to break up simply because you spoke a word, simply because you felt something in your heart. When you start to match your actions to what you say, you're communicating in that way too. And people start to bless you or they get teamed up with things that you're doing because you're belief and what you're communicating is so strong it makes them want to move it makes God want to move and it makes the enemy want to move he wants to get back if you want to be heard make a statement if you don't like how something is make a statement if you want to see more things come and be fruitful in your life make a statement don't shut down A lot of times we trade how we feel. We trade a moment. And it reminds me of Ariel in The Little Mermaid. She traded her voice and then couldn't even fully enjoy the thing once she got it. So baby girl ain't want to be in the water no more. She was running from family. Actually, we're talking about family in this episode. She was running from her dad, her sisters, the other mermaids in the sea, whatnot. And she wanted to be with this man. She traded All of these things that waiting in that pressure season and gave up her voice in that moment and she couldn't say anything. And when she couldn't say anything, we watched throughout the movie how she doesn't have power, how power was stripped in that moment. And she had an enemy that was working against her throughout the movie. And Ursula, her enemy's job, was to take her voice. That was the very thing that Ursula was waiting on for Ariel to trade her voice. And as soon as she did it, Ursula felt a power that she didn't even have the authority to walk in. That was Ariel's voice. That was Ariel's power. That was Ariel's thing um, that she was given. But because she gave it up because of a temporary season in her life, she experienced pain, heartache, and and a, a disarray that was unnecessary. Don't be Ariel. This ain't that. You want to profess your power in all seasons, even when it don't seem like there's value, even when it don't seem like there's purpose, even when it seems like you don't know what the heck you're talking about. 
you want to communicate. It could be through art. It could be through simply you continuing to show up every day that you have air in your lungs. It could be in being um, selective. You know, you want to set up boundaries in your vulnerable seasons, but you don't want to shut completely down. So my hope and my prayer for y'all is that you'll continue to show up and show out and communicate. Communicate to God first and foremost. Communicate to yourself, actually, first and foremost. You can't communicate to God and put faith in things if you don't even know what you're insecure about, what's causing you to shut down, what are you avoiding right now, um, what's something that you're looking at in the last season you were vocal about it and you still didn't see the promise come to pass. All of those things, you want to be real about it. So that way, there's power when you do speak because you understand what you're speaking for and those insecurities, the pain, the hurt, all of those things. When you believe that God's bigger, if he's bigger, why was I experiencing it? You start to understand that there are outside forces that are working against you. And when you know that and you start to communicate against that, it makes you that much more powerful. You start to see things move that much more in your favor. And that's ultimately what we want. That's ultimately ultimately what God wants for us. And so with that being said, the power tool for this week is to swap hands. Recently, I played Uno and it was a different type of Uno. I forgot which version it's called. There's so many different versions of Uno now, but there's a card that when played, you swap hands with another player. And it's amazing because when you don't have a draw four, a wild card, or whatever you need to win, when you swap, you can get the cards you need to win the game. We never lose with God, ever. But when we hold on to cards, assuming and holding responsibility for things that we shouldn't hold, we feel like we're losing. It's time to swap hands. What you hold is righteous. You hold peace. You hold all that is pleasing and perfect to God. And you have to swap hands with holding things that are not your responsibility to hold. Holding things that you didn't orchestrate. Holding things that the enemy wants to so freely give you. That he wants you to trade. Instead of holding the things that God has called you to hold. And to wield and to have authority over. When you know that you have a winning hand. You play different. You communicate different. Tap into the winner circle and swap your hands and believe. So that's what I got for you this week, cool kids. I hope that this was fruitful for you. And I really, I just want to say a prayer really quick over family. Um, Father, I just thank you right now for you being our first family. For you, the Holy Spirit, Jesus being this family that we forever have, that you're ever present with us, whether we're physically distant from our physical family, our earthly family, or if they're right here in the same room with us as we're listening to this show. I thank you that you are our first family. You called us first and you crafted us in our mother's room. You knew who our moms would be, our cousins, um, everybody, everybody that we know, you knew who they would be. And you orchestrated it in such a way where we could operate in power when we work 
together. Um, And so I want to come to you right now being very real that I know that there is an enemy that works against my family, against the listeners of this show's families, and that he doesn't want us to experience unity. He doesn't want us to experience your love. He doesn't want us to walk in the authority that we have and in the power that we have when we walk together in family, when we pray together in family. Um, There's a saying that the family that prays together stays together. And that is so true. And so of course, the enemy wants us to divide, to not come together together with our vulnerabilities as we do in prayer, to not come together and work out different fights and battles that we experience, and that he wants us to blame each other when those things happen. And so on the behalf of my family and on the behalf of all those who are listening and their families, I want to come to you right now and remind you of what your word says, that nothing, nor highs, nor lows, anything can come between us and the love of God and love expressed that you gave to us to experience on this earth is through our earthly family. And so as we continue to communicate, as we walk ourselves and we go through healing and our therapy journeys, all of it, and we have to recount things and we have different memories that play and we read old journal entries, whatever those things are of the past, I pray that we can learn from them, but not be hindered by them. I pray for forgiveness to break out and that we just let go of everything, every offense that we've run across, every piece of information that we feel like was used against us, every birthday where people didn't show up how we wanted them to, every um, piece of applause and acceptance that maybe we didn't feel ways that we feel like we have to raise ourselves now because our parents didn't show up in a way we wanted them to I pray that we release those things and that we not only release them but that we forgive that we forgive ourselves that we forgive any moments where we possibly blamed you and that we forgive our family there are blockages that the enemy sets up but we continue to keep those things up when we don't forgive when we don't move past offense and when we don't communicate I thank you that you give us new strategies new ways to communicate with our family new ways to communicate with each other and that they're laced in the belief that you designed us specifically to be in the family structures that we're in that you designed us specifically to break things out in our family to start new things within our family and that we're equipped to do it that we can handle it a lot of times people say that they want to just start over well me and my kids gonna do x me and my spouse will do x I pray that we can do it now with the family that we have now the cousins that we have now the people who have their own growth to do that we can meet them in that place and say that we still love each other that we're still there for each other and that as we move and walk and communicate in faith that it's not blind and it's not void and empty that you meet us in that moment faith is the things we hope for it's the evidence of things hoped for the belief in things unseen as we continue to walk by faith, you will provide things that we can see. And our families will be a testament of your love for us. It'll be a testament of how wonderful, majestic, and just beautiful you are as a God, how good you are as a God. And our family will begin to show other families the evidence and proof that you 
our God. It's not impossible. Even if you got a crackhead cousin, a drunk aunt, a, a sibling that has done you wrong and that you don't talk to, that family member that's in jail, the one that everybody's casted off. If you're the one listening that has been casted off, God, I know you can come through for all of us, no matter what hurt, pain, or danger we've experienced in the past. So I just want to give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor for breaking out and doing in our families what only you can. And it's in the great, great, great name of your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Whew. Okay. I hope that y'all enjoyed the show, the prayer. I hope that you found it helpful. Be sure that you leave your girl a rate and review. It just so happens that we are a few weeks out from celebrating two years of power and prose. And I would love to hear from all the cool kids. You're who I do it for. You're my extended family. I pray for you guys on the show like I did today, but also off the show. And so let me hear from you. How are you feeling? How are things going for you? And if this is helpful, it will be helpful for me to know that I'm helping you. And so be sure if you are enjoying these shows to rate and review. Um, I also link fervent prayers in the show notes. Be sure to check it out. I highly recommend to see other things that I recommend and to keep up with the cool kids. If you aren't a cool kid already, I would love for you to tap, tap, tap in to the PMP community by clicking on the link in the show notes to get signed up for our newsletter. In the newsletter, which is bi-weekly, I share scriptures, poems, prompts, and more. So hit the link in the show notes to subscribe to that and keep up with all things happening in power and prose. Be sure to profess your power and remember there's power and prose. Communicate this week, y'all. Bye.